Hi everybody, Greg Rust and SpeakCafe.com's Editorial Director Andrew Van Leeuwen with you for this edition of the KTM Summer Grill. We've been talking to all sorts of people from the world of motorsport over summer. Today we're delighted to be joined by the General Manager of GM Racing. Chris Payne is on the line. G'day and welcome. G'day Greg, g'day Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's great to get you on for a conversation. If you look back at, at 2023, what Brody Kostecki achieved and, and the success of... Uh, have lots of the other Camaros out there. It was a great year for you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, well, what a year. And, and I think it's uh, interesting. Don't forget that it wasn't that long ago that I think some people were lamenting the fact that supercars was becoming a bit boring. And, and didn't Gen 3 change that in a hurry? Yeah, obviously a super successful year for the Camaro and its first year in supercars with the Gen 3 package. Um, there has, obviously, we can't shy away from that. There's been this ongoing... Uh, parody issue how frustrating has it been when you're having this great success to have that sort of undercurrent of debate over the parody in the background yeah it it has been somewhat frustrating and i feel for the teams involved because there's been so much work and effort applied and and if you roll back to, to newcastle when the when the cars first hit the track and the anticipation and the the work that had gone into getting the cars to to track we all watched, I guess, nervously as they made their first laps in the practice and the qualifying. And and um, to get through the season the way that we have, both on the Ford and the GM side, with such reliability of the cars has been sensational. But we, anybody in the sport, wants to win on a, on a level playing field. And that's Supercar's responsibility to execute that. Uh, on our side, the homologation team and the work done by Triple Eight and KRE Engines has been outstanding and they'll continue to represent us in that space as we go to the next next phase now of the testing to to really paratise the cars with that world best practice uh activity that's going on right now in north carolina at windshear you mentioned kre i mean kenny mack really has looked like a superstar this year because those those chev motors have been fantastic and so reliable apart from i think andre had an issue at bathurst andre heimgarten other than that like that motor really has been a success story it certainly has and, and uh, the platform that it comes off is part of our chevrolet performance catalog and uh, we're really really proud of our association with kre and with ken and his team for for seeing through the season with such incredible reliability but it was part of the package you know the, the cars came out of the blocks they looked great they sounded great the reliability was there and we had close racing and and i think the fans responded you know they came to the sport um, like never before, uh, we saw record or near record crowds at, at the big events like the Gold Coast and Bathurst and Adelaide. And it was just really pleasing to see uh, a resurgence in the popularity of supercars on the back of Gen 3. We're talking to Chris Payne, the general manager of Chevrolet Racing on this edition of the Summer Grill. Chris, the uh, the variety of success across the different Camaro teams, when you when you look at it, it wasn't just the story of Brody Kostecki and, and Erebus, and we know how well-credentialed the, the Red Bull or Triple Eight organisation is. I mean, there was success for Matt Stone Racing, uh, podiums for Brad Jones Racing and, and more, wasn't there? Absolutely, and it's really pleasing to see because each of those teams are invested with their partners um, <clears throat> to deliver on the track, and it was after so many years of trying, both in the, in the Holden era before now, to get that success on the track with, with all, the, all the Chevrolet racing teams was really pleasing. And to see the, um, the younger drivers coming through and accepting the car for what it is, uh, 
And on the Ford side, I see some of the more experienced drivers like David Reynolds and, and on outside with uh, Team 18 and Charlie's squad uh, with Mark Winterbottom come through and get wins as well. So it's a very diverse field. More drivers, I think, winning and getting podiums uh, than ever before in the history of the sport. And it just draws more eyeballs to the sport, and more attendance and, and viewership on the broadcast, I think, uh, for the future. Ford, uh, you know, has their Australian motorsport department. Um, they've been quite visible this year, obviously, because they've had to. They've been involved in this in this parity fight and needed that visibility to try and get the changes made. You're a bit more in the background, I guess. Can you sort of talk about what, you know, GM, what the actual GM involvement at supercars level is with the with the teams? Yeah, well... Um I look after the overarching program and I'm supported in that capacity with Steve Byrne, who's our Gen 3 program manager. We work closely behind the scenes with the teams. We we do tend to be a little bit under the radar in that respect and we have our own commercial arrangements with each team. Uh, We also work closely with our counterparts in North America. Uh, Jim Campbell in particular, the vice president of uh, GM Performance and Motorsports, as well as supercars on the technical side. So... Um, yes, we may not be as vocal and visible, uh, but when when you when when you're on the winning side, if I can say that, um, you don't necessarily have to be. Um, but um, as we've seen in the last few rounds of the season, that very very fine line between the parity of the two cars is there. Um, and like everybody in the sport, um, you know, we, we're very below average when it comes to losing. So we <laughs> want to keep a close eye on that going into the 24 season as well. Chris, there's a great poster over your shoulder as we chat with you about Holden winning Bathurst. It's just over 12 months since we farewelled Commodore. We're now 12 months into the new Gen 3 era with Camaro versus Mustang. How have fans that have had that kind of traditional tribal love of, of Commodore and so on uh, warmed to the to the Camaro? And are there things as a, as a, as a sport that we need to do more of perhaps to, to sell this, this message around these new cars? Yeah, it's a great question, Greg, because, um, you know, we, we're great observers of the fans when we go to the track. And um, from a personal perspective, I've got to say, I feel as if the, the demographics of the fan base looked quite different to me this year than in previous years. Wow. Um, it sounds a little odd, but one of the very noticeable things to me was the fact that a lot of the fans were turning, turning up in, uh, let's call it civilian clothes. They weren't wearing the branded T-shirts that they were in the past, you know, in mm-hmm. In the Holden era, you, you could look down the back of the paddock and it was just a sea of red. Mm. Um, and, and, and so it should be. After 50 years of success on the track uh, for Holden, we had, to, we had to unfortunately draw a line under that and try to move forward into this new era of Chevrolet racing. And mm. we were very determined, and I think it's been achieved, to be able to continue the brand battle you know, that raged for decades between Ford and GM Ford and Holden now into this new uh, era with Chevrolet and um, the fan base seems to be shifting, seems to be changing and based on the feedback and information we're getting from supercars, we're seeing a more diverse group of people coming, more families, uh, more females attending and watching the sport. Uh, One of the great challenges I think going forward is for us to get more diversity into the sport, uh, into the management, into the technical side and indeed into the driving uh, in, in ultimately in the supercars uh, sport. We see that, you know, uh, through the AC Delco um, arm of GM, a lot of support for young drivers. You know, you've got Alice Buckley there. Is is part of that, you know, 
it's almost become like a junior program you've got with the AC Delco support. Is part of that looking to try and and harness some more diverse talent and bring them through the ranks? Yeah, it has been, Andrew, and and it's a byproduct of what we're trying to do with AC Delco. So our business in Australia now is is built around well, seven brands, really. And I'll list them real quick for you. Um, GMSV, of course, is is the most visible, which is bringing to Australia and New Zealand the the best niche vehicles from the GM. Uh, portfolio in right-hand drive, currently the Silverado and, and Corvette, um, our GM trade program, the Chevrolet Performance brand, selling crate engines to the niche enthusiast market, uh, Chevrolet Racing, taking over the legacy of Holden and Holden Motorsport. Uh, and more recently, we've announced uh, the introduction of Cadillac to Australia as well. So AC Delco is a really important growth brand for us for parts uh, and service. Uh, in Australia and New Zealand. And for us, the message is communicating the fact that AC Delco parts are for all makes and models. Um, in, in the past, uh, we did a terrific job of educating enthusiasts and DIY customers that AC Delco parts were only for Holdens. And uh, the, I think a key part of that goes way back in history to the fact that uh, AC, before it came AC Delco, uh, was, was on the Des West Peter Brock uh, Monaro that won Bathurst in 1969. Mm. And it was on every single major Holden race car uh, from 1969 until now, and it's still on the Red Bull Ampole racing cars. Um, so, But we are looking to uh, grow the brand. And one of the ways that we do that is through other forms of motorsport. So you mentioned um, Toyota 86. We've been involved in that sport for a few years now with Jared Hughes, who's done very, very well. And we've supported him since the age of 10. Uh, and... Um, uh, weekend just gone by at the time of recording this, he was competing in the in the TA2 series at Calder in a Mustang. Uh, and that was a way of us really shouting quite loudly that, you know, AC Delco parts are definitely not just for Holdens because we're on a Ford. Yeah. Uh, and he, he won every race it was on the Saturday uh, in, in the Mustang. Uh, so he's one to watch, I think, for the future. You mentioned Ellis Buckley, uh, very, very talented young 16-year-old Queenslander, uh, who's competing in Toyota 86, we're on board with her, as we have been with uh, Aaron Borg, who's won the uh, Super Ute Series for the last two years running in an Isuzu D-Max. It's, it's great that you're shining a little bit of a light there on, on young talent coming through. You must be uh, enormously excited at the same time at a, at a supercars level of this next wave, if you like. Shane Van Gisbergen is off to the United States, but at the same time, um, you know, we're thrilled about the likes of a, of a Brock Feeney, the, you know, the always smiling Will Brown headed to to Triple Eight, and we've got this brand new champion with an amazing story in Brody Kostecki, don't we? Yeah, we certainly do, and we're looking forward to the future. I think I think all of those things um, <clears throat> add to an exciting future for supercars in the, in the next couple of years. And <clears throat> excuse me, the the the, the work that Shane did, particularly blazing the way with NASCAR, has is, is just changed the, um, the relationship between NASCAR and supercars going forward and, and Brody in his footsteps as well. And when I think all of us were watching uh, Shane uh, uh, heading toward victory at the Chicago Street Race last year, um, things were never going to be the same. Um, he... he and, and then uh, the relationship between NASCAR and, and supercars has been such that I think it will just grow and grow and grow in different areas where I believe that the viewership now of supercars broadcast online 
digitally is enormous by by um, the North American fan base, um, and there, there's this this exchange of technologies and the fact that you've got uh, Erebus and Barry Ryan leading the way there with um, Richard Childress um, and and uh, more work to be done there with Brody going to the states potentially next year as well. So the exchange of uh, drivers of uh, wildcard appearances, all sorts of opportunities between those two. Uh, series is very, very exciting. And the I young drivers form a really, really important part of that. I guess that's, you know, particularly exciting for yourself when you're, you're, when you're working for a brand that is involved in both of those series as well. Like, that's what a fantastic way to, even from a marketing perspective, to sort of cross-pollinate what's happening in, in each of the two countries. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know yet where that's going to land, Andrew, but there's all sorts of opportunities for us between GM North America uh, and here in Australia to really form a closer bond between NASCAR and, and supercars. It's a kind of delicate discussion, but naturally parity is one that fans will want to um, tackle here. Uh, obviously, a lot of work being done during the, the off-season in relation to the cars. Just in a, in a general sense, are you, are you um, confident with the way um, things are going in, in this regard for, for 2024? Yeah, we're very confident and um, the work that's been done, well, now for the best part of two years um, leading up to the, the commencement of the season by Triple Eight, uh, by KRE and, and led by uh, Jeremy Moore has just been outstanding. Uh, the amount of work has, has been enormous and um, we rolled out the car, Triple uh, Eight rolled out the car in October of 21 at Bathurst. Um, the car that we raced in in 23 was essentially unchanged from from the prototype that was revealed at that time um, and it was designed around the rule set um, and we've been chasing that parity dilemma all, all season and i don't think anybody in the sport would have anticipated the way it's had to roll out uh, it's provided a, a level of controversy if you like but but not a not a good one uh, and not one that any one of us would have wanted to see but the the um uh, the work that's going on over the next uh, few weeks leading into the start of the season in February uh, at Windshear is, is critically important. And it sets the new benchmark, I think, as a world-class approach that will be required to be adopted in the future for any kind of step change in the sport. For example, if another OE manufacturer came into the sport, they would need to go through that process with the other the other silhouettes uh, which, uh, which are racing in the series as well. So... We're really pleased that AAA are able to represent us uh, to get that piece of work done. And we're confident that we'll come, at, come out with the cars aligned and ready to go racing in February of next year. Speaking of other silhouettes, we know that the Camaro, you know, there is, a, there, there is an end date for the Camaro in terms of its road production. Uh, Supercars is committed to, to, to keeping it going until I think it's the end of 2025 season at the very least. This maybe comes back to the relationship you do have with the guys in North America because they'll need something else to go racing in NASCAR with as well. Can you give us any hints? Do you have any idea of where it could go in terms of a body shape in the future? Um, yes. Um, the, the, our car will race through the 25 season as, as well. And um, when we made the announcement about the end of production for the Camaro road car earlier in 23, um, that's due to, to finish up in, in quarter one of 24, the uh, Generation 6 Camaro. Um, the statement that was made at that time and the, and the one that I'll give today was that this is not the end of the Camaro story. Um, so we don't have any information to release on that today. We don't, we don't talk about 
uh, future road car programs, like we don't talk about future race car programs, but we're committed to the sport for the longer term. And I think your observation, Andrew, about there being a, uh, a synergy going forward between supercars and uh, NASCAR in relation to closer uh, team, closer work in respect to the design work um, uh, of the cars uh, is very much on the cards. When the car was designed, um, there's, a, a, there's a young man called Adam Barry in North America who designed the Camaro for us, for, for supercars. Um, and he's a very passionate designer who behind the scenes has worked on uh, the Camaro road car for I think the best part of 10 or 15 years, perhaps. He's designed every single Camaro uh, that's gone to market. And when we presented him with the opportunity to design the supercar, he just put down he he just put down the mouse from designing the the Camaro for NASCAR, and he he relished that opportunity uh, to be able to make the car as close as possible to the appearance of the road car, which is why we got what we got. Um, and as as uh, we know, there are some uh, not compromises, but some differences in the appearance of the NASCAR silhouette versus the road car. So our car looks very, very real. It's probably a 98% percentile representation of what the road car is, which is why I think people uh, have warmed to it so much. And, and the same on the Ford side. The two cars look fantastic and uh, they sound great. The racing's been close and, uh, yeah, we're committed to it for, uh, for some time to come. Can we end this by looking forward to 2024? Probably obvious that you want to defend the crown. Maybe the real question is how difficult you think that that mission is going to be? Yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge. It seems that Erebus Motorsport have found the secret source, um, but Triple Eight will, uh, you know, they'll want to bounce back. You know, like I said before, they, of anybody, are very below average losers. Um, and they'll, they'll equip, they'll reset, um, they'll be ready to go, as will all the Camaro-based teams. I have no doubt about that. Um, but I think that uh, the driver familiarity with the cars and the crew's familiarity with the car after a year under their belt of, of racing will be such that uh, you'll see closer racing. I think that race will continue to promote the sport really well uh, and hope that we can see uh, more broadcast, more... Uh, attendance to the major meetings and so forth. And it, it'll be a tough one, but I think it'll be one to watch. Thank you very much for talking to us on this edition of the KTM Summer Grill. We wish you and the team all the very best for 2024. Thank you very much and all the best to your viewers as well. There he is, Chris Payne from Chevrolet Racing. Don't forget, of course, to tune back in to speedcafe.com tomorrow morning to see who our next special guest is right here on the KTM Summer Grill. You could be a winner each episode of the Summer Grill. KTM are giving you the chance to win a bar stool, a mug, and this race-inspired clock as well. So there's more good reasons to tune in and hear from some of the stars of world motorsport here as a part of the KTM Summer Grill. All you gotta do is click on the link below, fill in your details, and you could be in the running to win.